Sup, Buzznet. In reference to the podcast, here again on Meta Monday. What's up? What's up? What's up? I am Amanda. And I am Heather. And together, we're Amanda and Heather. So what do you got for us today? I'm not fresh out of anything. Sorry. I got some slime. <laughs> got, got four buckets of it over there. We got buckets of slime. All right. So today we're going to talk about Timothy McVeigh. Sound familiar? He does sound familiar now. <laughs> uh, he is more commonly known as the Oklahoma City Bomber. And my sources were Mugshots, Timothy McVeigh, and Wikipedia. So we'll talk about the history of Mr. McVeigh. He is a Taurus. Like me. He was born on April 23rd, 1968 in Lockport, New York. He had two sisters. His parents divorced when he was 10 and then he was raised by his father in Pendleton, New York. I don't know where it's at. Just to work there. Probably in New York. Oh my, what? Are you sure? Maybe. Ah, no. Just maybe. Crazy. He babysat his neighbor's kids, and they said when he babysat, you never had to worry about them, because he was a good babysitter. I sure hope people say that about me. I was a terrible babysitter. Kids would be like, let's go outside. I'm like, uh. Nope. Nah. Sit in front of the TV. <laughs> Here's some sugar. Shut your mouth. Alright. As he grew older, older, if I could talk, as he grew older, he developed a fascination with guns. But, to be fair, he grew up in a town where everyone were, like, big hunters. So, like, where you live. <laughs> Um, he asked his neighbor after his 18th birthday to sign his pistol permit, and she did so. After high school, he did what a lot of boys do and enlisted in the army. Apparently, he was a really good sniper. He could snipe desert mice from 200 yards away. Oh, wow. And window panes from 3,000 yards. So, like, don't want to fuck with him. Yeah. Especially if he has a direct line of sight. Yeah. He was scheduled to start Green Beret assessment courses in November of 1990, but because of the Gulf War, he was sent overseas before he could start it. Okay. So, while he was in the Gulf War... Excuse me, Google Docs. Please stop. Okay, so while he was in the Gulf War, he was involved in an operation where one of the M1 tanks was turned into a bulldozer. With this tank slash bulldozer, they attacked the Iraqi lines and turned left and then right to bury them alive. So, McVeigh had to watch people get chopped up by a bulldozer and a roar of a... <laughs> and a reporter says that he'd, he then had have to worry about who was pulling body parts out of the tank when they got home to bird back to base. Yeah. 
Ew, I'd be like, not me. <laughs> Nose goes. Nose goes. <laughs> not me. Oh, that is so terrible. Like, terrible, but that's what I would have been like. Nope. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I it. wouldn't have joined the army to begin with. I can't. Nor I'd be like, oh, let's run people over with a tank. That, that was their operation. Those were their commands. According to this. Allegedly. Allegedly. When America withdrew from the war, Timothy returned home, and in 1991, his dream of trying out for the Green Berets came true. But he was out of shape and quit pretty much immediately. Same. Relatable. <laughs> in, in December of 1991, he was honorably discharged from the army. He began to express himself in local newspapers about his distrust of the political system and against the United States. And then he moved to Michigan in June of 1992 with Terry Nichols, an old army friend. Who becomes an important part of this story, so remember his name. What was it? Terry Nichols. McVeigh was obsessed with the Turner Diaries, which talked about an overthrowing of the government. In 1993, he met up with a num another army friend who introduced him to crystal meth, and McVeigh became a heavy user of meth. Which I did not know that when, uh, like, back in the day. McVeigh became very like that wasn't something they, like said a lot was it no i don't think so i mean if they did i don't remember it I, i'm gonna be real i mean i was gonna wait till the end to say this but like those are gonna bring it up now the only thing i really remember about timothy mcveigh is my dad saying he wished he could be there to watch his execution hmm. so <laughs> i feel like the only thing i remember from it was them showing like the video of like afterwards yeah, yeah it's pretty disturbing um yeah, my dad was very irate over this happening, which, I mean, rightfully so, but, yeah, my dad, like, because I think at one point his execution was stayed, or, like, he was appealing it, and my dad was, like, really pissed off because it was, like, taking up taxpayer dollars, and, like, you know how my dad gets. Anyway. So, while using meth... McVeigh became very upset by two federal incidences that had happened. The first was the Ruby Ridge standoff in August, on August 22nd, 1992. This was the killing of Randy Weaver's wife while he, while she held her infant child and his 14-year-old son who was also killed the day before. And then the other thing that happened that really pissed him off was the Waco, Texas siege in April of 1993 where 80 Branch Davidian church members were killed. Before the siege on Waco, he, McVeigh had joined protesters in Waco and watched in horror as the siege had occurred. It is said he was horrified by the use of military weapons, specifically the tank, against civilians. After Waco, this is when he decided a message needed to be sent. He returned to Michigan and then went to Arizona to get his other army friends who introduced him to meth, which was Michael Fortier. 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 Fortier, yeah, I think. Oh, just kidding. If I would read, I also wrote it down, which is Fortier. <laughs> so, he went to Michigan and got Terry Nichols, and then they went to Arizona and got Michael Fortier. In 1994, they spent time gathering bomb-making materials and raised money by attending gun shows and selling guns. Just, Why? 
The fact that you can just go and sell guns just blows my mind. I mean, no granted. permits or... Yeah, like, this was in 1994, and I think things have gotten a little better, but... Not in Texas. My dad used to say that to me all the time. He's like, just go to a gun show and buy a gun. I'm like, <laughs> no thanks. I'm gonna pass. My, my luck, it would be, like, a gun that was used in a federal crime. Yeah. Um, okay, so around Christmas of 1994, McVeigh and Fortier took a tour of the Murrah building, posing as tourists. So the Murrah building is where this took place. Uh, so here's the crime. The co-conspirators were Terry Nichols and Michael Fortier. Fortier. Why can I not say his name? After scoping out the building, all that needed to be done was lighting the fuse of the bomb. So... At 9.02 on April 19th, 1995, in Oklahoma City, a blast occurred. The bomb was built with fertilizer and gas. There were 168 confirmed dead. 500 plus in the building and surrounding area were injured. The people who lost their lives ranged in age from 3 months to 73 years old. 108 worked for the federal government. 41 were civilians and 19 were children, who were also obviously civilians. Did they say what was the building for? So, the the Alfred P. Murr building is a federal building that, like, there's a daycare in there for federal workers, but there's, like, a federal, like, a bunch of federal offices. Um, a list of the victims' names can be found on CBS's news website with the title being Victims of the Murrow Building Bombing. Originally, <laughs> the first thing I found was, like, like the first thing I read was 19 were dead and so I was like oh I can read all 19 names and then I like kept doing research and I was like oh no just 19 children were dead so I'm not gonna read 168 names sorry that I'll would... direct you to where you can read them yeah cause first of all I can't even say Murrah without or 40 year <laughs> without phonetically spelling it I don't want to butcher butcher names so Anyway, so the bomb went off, killed these people, which is... In the mugshots show, they interview a grandmother and grandfather who lost their two grandchildren. And it's just, like, so devastating. She's like, I was there with, like, near there with my friend, and the first thing I thought is, oh my god, the children. And they just, like, ran to the building, and her two grandsons, like, were very close and she's like, they died how they lived their life together. And I was like, stop it! I'm like sitting at work, like bawling my eyes out over that. It was just really sad. So McVeigh was arrested within 90 minutes of the explosion because he was driving without a license plate and was pulled over for that. Uh, but he actually got arrested for having a concealed weapon. Um, and so then McVeigh had written a letter to his sister where he boasted about something big happening in the future. So this was prior to the bombing. Um, and when hit, when the FBI went to question his sister, she was found to be burning a stack of letters assumed to be from McVeigh. Because that's not suspicious. Yeah, and so the FBI questioned her thinking she had known about the bombing in advance, but she was granted immunity in exchange for her testimony to the grand jury as a hostile witness. Like, sorry, Colin. If you ever commit a crime, no, I'm, I'm going to be the first like one that's like, <laughs> it was him. 
Um, so Terry, instead of burning, you'd be like, here's the letter. Yeah, for real, like, I ain't going to jail, sorry. <laughs> You're like, not for you. Love you, kid. Not that much. So the punishments were Terry Nichols is spending the rest of his life in prison. Michael Fortier got a 12-year plea bargain for being a cooperating witness. And McVeigh was sentenced to death in 1997 and was the first person to be put to death by the federal government since 1963. So, yeah, that's Timothy McVeigh. He's short. I like short. So, he's not described as a serial killer then. No, he's a mass murderer. Because he killed multiple people in one place. I haven't really done too many serial killers. They're a spree killer. The BTK. AKA. My dad. Your dad. <laughs> what if you guys are long lost relatives? I doubt it. Our family ain't from out that way. I remember a lot about Timothy McVeigh, like why he did it and everything. I think he fascinates me because he's a homegrown terrorist. Yeah. Right. He attacked his own country. But I I mean, I don't want to excuse his behavior because I don't. But, I mean, if the government told me to run over people with yeah. a tank turned into a bulldozer, like. <laughs> I'd be a little hesitant. Yeah, I'd be a little pissed off at them too, so. I don't know. But that's sad on that. Not as fun. It's so funny, like, (laughs) most of my episodes where we get silly is at the end because, like, when we're telling the story, you can't just... Yeah, you can't really laugh during because it's horrible. Like, Like, (laughs) 108 people lost their lives. Like, with mine, like, you can laugh because, like, chances are it happened, like, hundreds of years ago. Or it's... Nothing's proven. (laughs) Yeah, it's just all hearsay. Yeah. The, I just posted, well, I just scheduled the Erica Hill one to post, and I was like, this one's really sad. And then at the end, we become a Netflix review channel, so. <laughs> so we talked about Sugar Rush and mm-hmm. Dark Tourist, and I, we can't really review anything. What have we watched? Wreck-It Ralph, where Ralph breaks the internet. 101 Dalmatians at huh. home. Yeah. Over the Hedge. Over the hedge. Sort of. I mean, you watched it. I watched it. it. (laughs) I watched the inside of my eyelids for four hours. According to my Fitbit, it was only three hours and nine minutes. Yeah. So, but still. Um, Oh, that could bring up this or that Tuesdays, which I want to maybe start. I say maybe because I feel like I'll do it one Tuesday and then forget the rest of them. She'll forget for like three weeks. So what I remember, I want to run run. I want to do this or that Tuesdays on our Instagram stories where I will pose a question. Fun questions, not like not like murder topics, like which was better? <laughs> Sword or knife? <laughs> yeah. Um, the candlestick or the ironing board? <laughs> would you use the regular knife or a clue knife? <laughs> Don't laugh. We have to use that iron. Steam burns. <laughs> oh, steam. I never invented steam sucks. 
Um, so yeah, like, but yesterday, which was not Tuesday, yesterday was Saturday for us, but we were watching Disney and DreamWorks movies, so I posted DreamWorks or Disney. Disney won, but it was not a statistical result because only four people voted and three of them were us. <laughs> yeah. One was Brody. Also, one other person did. One other person voted and she voted for DreamWorks. Which, it is such a tough comparison because, I don't know, DreamWorks just really animates the fuck out of their movies. Yeah. Like, Tips Hair and Home. It's beautiful. Like, perfect hair. <laughs> yeah. Wish my curly ass hair looked like that. And in different styles. Yeah. My hair looks like shit. Alright, well, you can find us on Instagram. Chase us on Instagram. Finger guns. (laughs) Pew, pew. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at InReferenceToPodcast or Twitter at InReferenceTo. Maybe I'll start tweeting again. You can uh, email us at InReferenceToPodcast at gmail.com. You can send true crime or spooky stories. Maybe if we get one, you can you can get our first shout out. Yes, we'll, we'll hit you up, yo. Send them in. Send them in. They don't have to be anything like long. Just anything like, creepy. I saw a ghost in my mirror. Then I realized it was just my face because I'm really pale. story I, like honestly just send me stories Heather just wants friends I just want somebody to email us <laughs> that's not like a website <laughs> yeah and we're also on patreon we'd love to have you support us and wikipedia uh, patreon.com backslash in reference to um, come for our brand by joining allegedly team 10 because Heather's trying to come for me She's an allegedly in her stories. Catch you on that flip side.